Well, good morning, uh, and thank you very much. Thank you to the King's Fund for uh, inviting me to, uh, to launch off the, the breakfast session today. And I want to uh, talk about the, the current changes that are, of course, enormous, an enormous challenge to whatever side of health you come from, but actually I see uh, as a real opportunity. And I want to set out how we, all of us in the room and others who are following it and others out there, can be the ones who are actually going to be shaping that change uh, in really for the next generations uh, ahead. So let me start by setting out some of the, uh, the challenges that we see today. We are, of course, and you'll be familiar with a lot of this, we're seeing uh, demographic change on an unprecedented scale. Uh, as happily people are living longer, the, the services they need are going to have to change as well, and indeed, quite rightly, their expectations are changing too. Since 2010, uh, we've spent uh, in local government about a quarter more on social care for young adults than we did just three years before in 2007. And much of that money is helping younger adults with learning disabilities, quite rightly. We're also seeing demand increasing amongst uh, older people in our communities. In 2012, nearly 15,000 people in the United Kingdom were over 100 years of age. That's 2012. By 2035, there'll be, it's estimated, about 110,000 people who will be over the age of 100. That's eight times more, uh, and I imagine uh, they'll be fully stretched at Buckingham Palace sending out the, the messages of congratulations quite rightly. But the, the stress of that uh, is going to be a whole new world for us, that number of people living uh, uh, over the age of 100. And with this demographic pressure, it could cost the nation uh, around an extra million pounds a day just to keep today's level of adult social care. But of course, that's the demand, that's the pressure, but our budgets aren't increasing. Local government's funding over the course of uh, this Parliament will have been cut by about 40%. Our grant will have been collectively cut by about 40%. And we're having to make, that's the equivalent of £20 billion worth of savings. By 2020, then English councils will actually face a funding gap of about £15 billion. So what's the result for adult social care? Well, our budgets have decreased by almost £2.7 billion. That's around a fifth over the last three years in adult social care. Today's councils are being forced to take some really hard choices about how to fund adult social care, but also leisure, transport, housing, roads and libraries. All of these, uh, by those that use them, are essential services. Uh, and they certainly all contribute to residents' wider well-being. And many of the ones I've listed, and there are, there are literally hundreds of services that local government provide, but many of them are universal. So that's where cuts, or indeed underfunding, are going to be visible to all. Uh, and if we look at our uh, list, that when we survey, we find at the very top of that a universal service visible to all, uh, an enormous cost pressure, roads. Uh, and that's the sort of, when people see roads deteriorating, uh, it's very visible to them. So in all of that mix uh, comes adult social care. And of course, as we see the economy picking up, 
Uh, those we serve will also expect services to do the same. Uh, and here we have a real job to manage people's expectations, looking forward about what local services can do and what it can't do, what we can afford to do, what we can't afford to do. Indeed, what people will have to do for themselves, perhaps with some help and support from us, but uh, fundamentally for themselves in future. And alongside this demographic and economic change, we've also, of course, seen a change in our legislative landscape. The new responsibilities for local government in the, in the uh, area of adult social care with the Care Bill, now the Care Act, is a good example of that. Of course, uh, our support for the Care Act remains unchanged. Indeed, uh, the LGA lobbied for it in the first place. But the fact is it's likely only to add to the financial pressure on councils. So to lessen these pressures, we're working with our social care partners like the Care and Support Alliance to call for reforms to be fully and fairly funded. Indeed, local government needs to be fully supported to let the Care Act reach its full potential. So as we've seen, uh, the challenges are considerable, but as I said at the beginning, it's also an opportunity, an opportunity to do things differently, uh, and I've seen that in local government, which is uniformly recognised as the most innovative part of the public sector. So how can we make the most of that opportunity? Well, uh, I would say that the Better Care Fund is a, a good example. The fund is, I, I would say, our best answer to the questions asked of us these, in these testing times. How can we give people the services they need in a way that's right for them and their families? How can we improve people's care experience and help them to live in their own homes for, for, for longer? How can we make the most of the funding that we do have? Like most things in life, of course, the Better Care Fund isn't perfect and the recent King's Fund report raises a number of important and, uh, and valid concerns. Whilst we must listen to the voices of concern, it's not time to throw our hands up and indeed wave the white flag just yet. In fact, we're already seeing, I think, some pretty encouraging signs uh, and we've got to build on those. In April, all 151 health and wellbeing boards sent off their Better Care Fund plans. This small step uh, had a big significance. It's the first word of an important conversation on how we, re we redesign health and social care services locally. It's about passing decision-making power to people with first-hand knowledge of their local area. People with a range of skills reflecting areas of expertise uh, in this room today. Local commissioners, councillors, providers, hospitals, doctors and nurses actually all working together. All of those are the ideal architects of an integrated blueprint for health and social care. Their plans combine uh, a broad range of expertise with, a, with a, actually with a narrow focus on the needs of local people. And health and wellbeing boards are a, a good and valuable part and start to that. And the Better Care Fund uh, is a great opportunity. It's a chance to give patients actually a smooth care journey from diagnosis to treatment and beyond. It's a chance to give local communities a meaningful role in early intervention and prevention, keeping people out of hospital wherever possible. And it's a chance to actually make the most of funding in these tough times. But the Better Care Fund isn't the end of the process, of course, it's just the start. The government has already made pooling funding part of the health and social care approach beyond 2015 and 16. Local areas have added to the 3.8 billion 
nominal £3.8 billion, pounds, uh, that is the Better Care Fund, so that now actually it's £5.4 billion that's available to be pooled. But we need to build on that, and today, uh, and I think the King's Fund will be pleased, that the LGA is calling for the Better Care Fund to become a five-year commitment and a clear commitment, not, uh, not muted words, but a clear commitment from government, and that there needs to be a significant transformation fund up front, as we've seen and have worked effectively with troubled families, a transformation fund up front, up front that will ease the transition, the shift from acute to community services, and that will ease the short-term disruption to residents and to patients. And it will ensure that we are investing to save rather, rather than saving to invest. So looking beyond next year's general election, we need to see the Better Care Fund beefed up significantly. And this brings me to how we can shape change in the future. Uh, there are, of course, uh, the <laughs> this may not be at your first thought, but I, it's at mine. There are 338 days left uh, until the next general election. And significant work has gone into influencing by the LGA, into influencing the manifestos of the major parties. And we're already thinking uh, beyond that election into uh, the next government uh, starting on the 8th of May, when people wake up on the day after the election. So what's our vision for health and social care? Firstly, building on the good start made by the health and wellbeing boards, we're looking for a lead role for boards in commissioning local services. How could this happen? Well, by making health and wellbeing boards the place where partners come together, a locally accountable system for all local health, public health and adult social care services. Secondly, councils and the NHS need to work together to co-design the solutions and not engage in an unnecessary war. It's important that organisations like ourselves, the Foundation Trust Network, ADAS and the NHS Confederation work together and speak with a united front. I've already mentioned the Transformation Fund uh, and that would certainly be a major uh, part of that. But actually reviewing the outdated Barnett formula uh, could actually mean an additional £4 billion in public spending in England being transferred into that transformation fund. And it could encourage councils and the NHS to work together to find those lasting solutions. So to conclude, we're living, uh, obviously, through a time of enormous change. But it isn't the first and it won't be the last time. But these times of change offer great opportunities because the future will be determined by how we react now. And when I say we, I mean all of us here today, whether we're from the world of local government, from health, from academia, or from central government. We need a new integrated approach for the new world that we're living in. And we need a fair uh, deal for local government on funding. Government funding must invest in both care and in both health and social care in the short term to achieve significant changes by 2020. But this isn't just about implementation, it's about communication. We need to explain to people why the old system that they have known for so long is changing, why we are now putting their changing needs above simply maintaining the status quo, and why this is good for them both as a patient and as a taxpayer. We need a national public communication campaign driven by everyone involved, central and local government, MPs, councillors, clinicians, hospital, hospital providers and commissioners. 
All of us have a chance to shape the way that health and social care will be delivered in the future. It's an enormous responsibility, but it's a fantastic opportunity as well. If local and central government, the NHS and our local communities join forces, we can actually give people the care and the support they need within a budget that the country can afford. Thank you very much.